welcome to IDD Get to Know Me, a mental health podcast where nothing is off the table. Wait, what does IDD mean? IDD stands for Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. You will hear from us, people with IDD, and experts on topics that are important to us and our mental health. I'm your host, Victor. And I'm Daniel. On this week's episode, we are going to get to know Heidi Mallet, a Special Olympics athlete who has been involved in many leadership opportunities, including organization, communities, and People First of Canada, PEI People, Special Olympics Canada Athletes Leadership Council, and the Global Athlete Leadership Council. Heidi, it's great to have you join us. How are you doing, Heidi? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this uh, podcast today. I think it was a great opportunity. Victor, Victor, Daniel is my other half. (laughs) My apology, Victor. Um, Yes, I am grateful to have this opportunity to be a part of this podcast today. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. Let's just start with a little icebreaker, shall we? Oh, let's, yeah, let's, start the, uh, let's start with a quick icebreaker. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and I think the icebreaker will just be, um, what's your favorite form of exercise? Okay, my favorite form of exercise, I enjoy walking. In the summer, I like to go out swimming, and I also like to play golf in the summer. So uh, those, I can say those are my favorite exercises. Excellent, excellent. Victor, what's yours? My favorite exercise is just basketball, you know, the camaraderie of it, and just like the feeling of accomplishment when you get that first basket in, there's nothing like it. And when you yell, Kobe, it's awesome to yell it. Fair enough. I'm I'm pretty basic. I, I just like I just like going for a nice walk working out that kind of thing so it's it's been difficult during the pandemic but you know you kind of get by exactly and you have to find other ways to uh keep active during the pandemic and those are one of the ways that i can certainly do that for sure with all your titles which one of your titles are you the most proud of showing off and representing for all the community well, I can say that I am most proud of all of them, but uh, I had a goal, um, a dream that came true was to do something internationally. And I can say that I've been very proud to do the Global Athletes Leadership Council, and it has been a dream that come true. I did not know uh, beforehand if it was going to be for Special Olympics or some other organization. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what's a typical day in the world of Heidi looks like as a Special Olympics athlete? Well, a typical day for me, uh, it could be some meetings. I also live in Alberton PEI, so I live in a rural community. 
and I like to hang out with family and friends and be able to go visit elderly people who live alone. So that uh, it can be, that would be my typical day. Of course, with the pandemic, things have changed. So uh, once before the pandemic started, I used to be able to volunteer, but because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to do that for almost two years in a nursing home. So uh, of course, I've had to find other ways to keep myself busy and active. And I'm grateful that I uh, can stay active during virtually, uh, do a lot of my work virtually, and uh, and that keeps me active during the day. And this has been a busy week for me with meetings. So uh, it's uh, it's all about life, and it's life in a roller coaster ride. Totally fair. Totally fair. Um, now, just getting into things a little bit. Um, for just for our listeners who aren't familiar, can you uh, tell us what are the Special Olympics in your eyes? Special Olympics is uh, it's mostly around sports. Um, we uh, they provide uh, programs from ages two right up until th throughout life to older age, from two yeah, to thirteen so uh, here in Canada. Uh, there's an active start program and then from 13 right up into adulthood, there's a variety of different sports programs and that could be team sports, individual sports. And that also allows our athletes to be able to, to compete competitive, competitively, uh, whether that is inter uh, national or world games. So there is a variety of different uh, opportunities for our athletes to be involved. And not only now, the uh, Special Olympics also provides more than just sports. They also provide healthy screening uh, program and they are uh, as well as uh, athlete leadership roles. So it's uh, certainly has come a long ways over the years and uh, uh, grateful to be able to have uh, those opportunities to be a part of the uh, athlete leadership roles. Can you tell us about healthy screening? Can you tell us about that? I'm curious about that. Okay, the healthy screening. I'm just going to talk about promotion health. That could be that they measure your height, your weight. Uh, they might, and we also have healthy smiles. We have opening eyes. We also have uh, dental, uh, strong minds. Uh, there's a few, uh, and feet. Uh, somebody will check their feet. So here in Prince Edward Island, usually once a year, uh, because of the pandemic, we've had to break things up, uh, do it differently virtually as well as uh, in person. But normally the way it's done in May during our uh, bowling provincials, we would have a healthy screaming just as uh, for an example would be maybe to do some uh, stretching uh, and they can check your uh, weight, your uh, height. Also, maybe they might ask you some questions, just general health questions. And maybe if something is up or uh, another one could be your blood pressure. So I think those are great opportunities for our athletes because it shows them that they can stay active and healthy while playing their sport. Excellent, excellent. And I just have one more question to ask you. 
What sporting events do you participate in? Okay, the sports I participate in is bowling, golf, snowshoe, and five pin bowling. And golf is my favorite sport. And how does it feel? Um, how does it feel when you're up there on uh, on that big stage, so to speak, like in front of everybody? Well, I can say that uh, that it feels it's given me a great opportunity to be a voice. I find it a privilege to speak up for myself and be a voice for those who cannot speak up for themselves. And it's also given me the opportunity to advocate for all persons with disabilities and our athletes to have a voice and to make sure that uh, that topics that need to get discussed, get discussed and then uh, also have their uh, issues being dealt with. And uh, it's not always easy, but it's important for them to to say that athletes can have a role to play in the community they live in, in the role, in the positions that uh, they play, whether it's in sports or athlete leadership. So I am very honored again to take on this role. What got you involved in Special Olympics? What was that itch that you just had to scratch to say, like, I want to get involved in the Special Olympics? Thank you, Victor, for that question. That is a good question. Um, the reason why I got involved in Special Olympics, uh, I could have been involved in my younger years, but for one reason or another, uh, the timing just wasn't right uh, or just maybe not quite ready yet. So back in 2006, uh, my father had passed away and my mother uh, came to me or we were chatting one day and she told me I needed to make a life for myself. And so I had told her that I was going to get involved in special Olympics because she had said, I think it's time for you to do that. And I am so glad I did because uh, look at the opportunities that has taken me to today and brought me to where I am. And uh, I'm grateful and because I am able to make many different friends, many new friends as well, not only just here in PDI, but in Canada as well as throughout the world. Well, that's that's lovely that you're you know able to get that, that support from your mom and uh, very sorry to hear about your father. Um, now, that's how you got involved in Special Olympics, but um, uh, I know that you're in, in some leadership roles. Uh, so I'm uh, wondering uh, how were you able to get involved in those leadership roles specifically? Okay, well, I'm gonna take you back a little bit about history. Where I'm a person that firmly believes that I start at the bottom and work my way up, which I have done. Um, back quite a few years ago, I had a dream about housing and in the community that I live in, of course, housing for people with disabilities was getting challenging. So I had received a phone call from a, a nonprofit organization that helps people with disabilities who I am involved with and they needed someone to sit on the housing committee. So I told her that, uh, you know, it's funny that you said this because I've been, uh, I'm a firm believer in faith and uh, and I said, we need housing. And we were just chit chatting about some of the situations and what's coming down the road and uh, what are some of the issues for our persons with disabilities. And I knew a lot of the clients 
that are in the organization and a lot of them were living with their parents at that time. So I got on the housing committee and we built a house just uh, not far from where I live. And uh, if we did that, I enjoyed doing that project. It was, I will say it was stressful at times. And then I did another housing project in another community. I was still honored to be on the committee for that and help oversee that. And then we uh, did an office and a day program in another facility. So I can say that I had the honor of taking on three big projects that uh, and working with partnership with the committee and the board as well as uh, with government. And I had to advocate and I met with government to with, alongside of the organization. So that also helped me build my leadership skills. Alongside of that, I was at that time, I was on the board of PEI uh, People First. So then uh, back in 2009, uh, I can recall, uh, I was not on the board very long and they elected me as vice president. So then, in uh, 2011, they elected me as president. So I started that role for, I believe, maybe till 2014 as president. And then I stepped down uh, because I was uh, ready to move on to other things. And then a few years later, uh, the president of that organization of Evil First had stepped down. So they approached me and asked me to come back on, So which I did. It given me many different opportunities and during all that process of saying that, it allowed me to be on the, the organization for housing that uh, I was advocating for. I was also appointed to their board. So I sat on that board for a few years and I learned a lot uh, through their board and through their organization. and. That has developed me with some skills to be have that goal in mind to doing something internationally, uh, which I'm grateful for that opportunity. So then back in 2016, I was thinking one day and I was, uh, you know, how you have dreams and goals. And I said, I'd like to do something other than people first or the uh, nonprofit that I was working for, which was called Community Inclusions. So then um, I had a gusty feeling something was up. So anyway, a few days later, I get an email asking me if I would go to Ontario to help form the terms of references for the Canadian Athletes Leadership Council. So that was back in 2016. 2017, I joined that council. We formed it and I've been on there ever since. And I really like it. Uh, like I said, I get to meet people and work with them and help them make the decisions that need to be made related to Special Olympics. And then in 2020, I had got another email asking if I would uh, consider applying for the GOCO Athletes Leadership Council. So um, I did that and I applied and then later that year I was selected. So I've been doing that role ever since uh, January 2021, and it's been an honor to do that role. And uh, I will say, like I said earlier, I uh, didn't know at that time, but I always wanted to do something internationally, and the goal came through. So I can say that I uh, accomplished that.
For sure. What are some setbacks that you had to face during your leadership roles? Tell us about some of your setbacks you had to face and how you overcame them. Well, uh, the biggest challenges that I have, and I'm grateful that I have a mentor, and uh, I don't always hear everything because I'm hearing impaired. So sometimes um, uh, it's a challenge, it's a setback, but sometimes due to mixed communication, I will go and ask my mentor or contact her or even approach the staff that I work with to get some clarification. So I think that's some of the barriers that I face. Another barrier, of course, is with the pandemic uh, is not being able to not able to meet in person, which I hope someday this uh, year, hopefully, uh, that we will be able to meet in person because uh, you don't you need to get to know the people that you work with and the committee that you're on. And I think uh, I'm hoping, like I said earlier, uh, later this year, we'll be able to meet in person. So that'll be an exciting opportunity. What are some changes that you are seeing right now in Special Olympics that you personally change the rules about in Special Olympics? Some of the changes that I can see uh, since I started January 2021 uh, are uh, being an advocate is to be able to make sure that um, that our athletes can understand the information that is provided to them, especially our athlete leaders. So, for an example, when we get material and document, documents to read, uh, they call it easy reading program or plain language. So I can certainly say that that is one of the challenges that is um, we're continuing to work on. Any document that we receive, sometimes we have to go take that back to the committee and ask them to put it in plain language or an easy reading language so that our athletes are able to get the feedback to them. Uh, one of the other changes that I noticed that um, that perhaps hasn't been done in the past is we're starting to have more conversations with different departments. And they had done that in the past, but athletes haven't really been uh, technically involved in the decision-making process. And now that they want to have it more on uh, athletes focus, and we're starting to make uh, our way there, it's not going to happen overnight but at least have the athletes be involved in those committees and the decision-making process. So I think uh, that's one of the changes that you will perhaps see come down the road. How has being involved in Special Olympics uh, affected you and your, your life? You, you mentioned your leadership opportunities, but how, how has that changed things for you? Uh, I think how it's changed for me is given me the confidence to speak up for myself and for those that cannot speak up for themselves and also stating topics that need to be dealt with. I'm going to give you an example. Earlier this year, uh, we're working on a project that we had to work with the sports team on and they had sent us uh, some information for review and it was not put in plain language or in a language that our athletes can understand. Uh, quite frankly, uh, this item came to my attention 
And I knew this before this document came out, but I'm grateful that it came from somebody else saying that our athletes are not going to be able to understand this information. So what I did was I uh, took that information back to the sports team and spoke up about it with our leadership team and the sports team. And uh, we took it back to the committee and then the committee came back with some better language for our athletes to be able to understand the information. And then one of the alternate goals that will be is that uh, we will continue to work on this that that uh, down the road that hopefully if they want our athletes to be involved or persons with disabilities to be involved in whatever organization it is, that they uh, have that information in a detail uh, explained out in a format that our athletes can understand it whether it's in plain language or easy reading or having their mentor be able to understand the information because sometimes our mentors really don't know what some of the discussions are. So it's important for our mentor to be able to have that information on hand so that they can understand the information as well. So that is one of the biggest challenges that I, uh, I want to see accomplished in the term that I have for this role. Wow, so many great leadership roles. How do you keep up with this hectic schedule? Well, it's important to balance life. So most of my work, I'm grateful that it's done on the week, uh, during the weekdays, because I feel that it's important for me to be active in other aspects of life, whether that is in my church or with family and friends or other events in the community. So, like I said, not every week is a busy week. Some weeks are quieter, some weeks are busy. So, again, I will say that it's important to balance work and my role with this job as well as with my life, other life activities. And I think that comes with all of us and that is very important. So don't take on anything that's uh, too much. If you find it very stressful and an overwhelming, which I do at times, but you just kind of have to roll with the punches and go with it and then try and uh, balance things. So. Uh, for an example, when issues arises and everything's coming at you at once, you'll get through that situation and then you move on to something else. And then uh, sometimes, you, and the important thing is to chat with somebody that outside of the organization so that they are uh, understanding uh, and compassionate about your role and stand behind you. So I think that's why it's important to have a balanced life. That's that's a, you know that's a great answer that 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 work-life balance is so important. Now I do want to ask, what are some of the issues related to Special Olympics that that you might be interested in with regard to advocacy? I don't really have any issues right at this time, but I will say that coming down the road and what I see is that one of the issues that I can see and I have seen it in my role is to having our staff and our volunteers and our coaches give that they need to allow to give our athletes a voice and to speak and to have them give their own opinions and i think too is that we need to have our athletes on committees 
uh, because they have different perspectives, different ideas, and different suggestions. And if you work together with the staff, coaches, and volunteers, athletes can have a, a lot to say. And people with intellectual disabilities, whether it's for a nonprofit organizations, they can give a lot of information that could be benefit. Because, for example, if an uh, if a staff person doesn't live in the athlete's shoes every day or doesn't see what's going on in the athlete's lives or the person with intellectual disability. So they really don't know exactly how to handle different situations. Because sometimes they're in a meeting and they're trying to think of what would they, how would the athletes feel or what's their thinking. And that's why it's important to have athletes at the table or a person with an intellectual disabilities at the table for discussion because they can certainly bring valuable information to the table. Definitely agree. I mean, you know, there's that saying, I don't know if you know it, but nothing about us without us, which is that people, you know, who have a disability or something like that should always be at the table when discussing issues that are that are related to them, right? I just want to add, what are some exciting things that are happening in Special Olympics right now? Can you divulge any of them or is it like a trade secret? Being a part of the discussion with the Caribbeans and help them start their Athletes Leadership Council for their region. And the reason why I'm saying this is because when I first started the Global Athletes Leadership Council, uh, they had told me that um, they would not be ready to do a council for quite some time. And uh, they had just started this process last fall and uh, their council was up and running uh, and they elected their chairperson uh, during their second meeting. So that will that is a very exciting and a opportunity that uh, is great for the Caribbeans to be able to do something like this. And it's an exciting opportunity. Why is it important for people with intellectual disabilities to get involved with Special Olympics? Why is it important? Well, thanks for that question, Victor. That's a great question. Um, I think it's important for our people with disabilities, intellectual disabilities, and our athletes to be involved in Special Olympics because it develops the friendship. You learn many skills uh, in sport and also in leadership roles, and it gives you the voice to be a voice for those who cannot speak up for themselves. And it also keeps you active and it gives you that independence you need to be a part of your community, whether that's local, national, or world in the world stage, if you did, if you do get selected for that position down the road someday. So I think uh, it's all about making friends and developing and learning skills and given that opportunity to have that development to be able to communicate with friends at your own level. Excellent, excellent, excellent points. It's always important to participate uh, in things like this. It's good confidence booster, all the things that you're talking about. Just one last question for you. Uh, what do you have to say to people who are interested in participating in the Special Olympics? I would say that it's a, uh, 
you, once you start, you don't want to give, uh, you will not want to leave because the camaraderie, the friendship, the loving and the compassion of people that are there to support you, not only in in special Olympics, but all aspects of life because you will grow, it will develop confidence, it will give you the value of you know, of learning new skills and also to be able to be a participant. And, and another thing is to play at your level with other peers that have uh, different different abilities, but have the same level of playing field as you. For an example, I will say that I'm not a real competitive person, so I'm grateful that I can play with athletes that are at the same level as me. Uh, it may not always be here in PDI, but it could be when you're playing competitively nationally that you will be teamed up with people your uh, age level uh, and not only at the same level as you that uh, that are uh, great people and it gives you opportunities to be able to compete and maybe come home with some awards. What a great message to have to other athletes. Thank you, Heidi, for being such an amazing leader in the IDD community and for taking the time to join us today. It's been great talking with you. See you next time on IDD Get to Know Me. Victor and Daniel, thank you for being the host today and for giving me the opportunity to be on this podcast. It was a joy yeah. and an honor to be a part of this. And thank you again for inviting me. Oh, of course, thank you so much for coming on. It's an important message. Hopefully we'll get to see you in the Winter Games. You never know, Victor. This podcast is brought to you by the Asrielli Adult Neurodevelopment Center at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, Canada. We would like to thank our producers Irfan Jiwa, Afriz Jadimi, and Anna Yang for helping to keep us organized and all the behind the scenes work.